Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. With me today is Emma Wilkinson, who Hillary, I have to thank Hillary Sukunos. I She will say, here's somebody you should interview. They're really interesting. I mean, she, I know everybody's interesting, but sometimes she will kind of give me a connection so that when I reach out to you from nowhere and you have no idea who this lady is asking you to do an interview, you have like her saying, no, Sherry's legit, hopefully. Um, so I, I appreciate her for hooking me up with people because I really want to do all the generations of Bluebells and I was a bluebell in 1980 and it's a lot the same and it's a lot different. So yes, thanks for joining us. And I even had, we had an even time difference. I didn't realize that not everybody's daylight savings time is starts at the same time. So I got on like, what happened? So you uh, guys, are, you don't start yours for two weeks. So yeah, even just doing this, you know, across the globe, trying to figure out time differences and everybody's work schedule. Thank you. Also, I just... <laughs> Emma's got her adorable, adorable little dog Toto in her lap. So almost all of us are, are animal lovers. So I love seeing like inside people's homes of their dogs and like how they live besides the beautiful stage. Oh, see, there goes mine. Somebody just came to the door. And now dog. My dog. People know Augie's voice. So I want to ask where you, where you grew up. Okay. So um, I grew up in Surrey in England, the Southeast of London with okay. my mom um my parents divorced when I was two but I always lived with my mom and um yes I just grew up in Surrey which is a very I grew up in a tiny little place <laughs> um and yeah I I just yeah loved Surrey <laughs> what kind of what kind of kid were you what were you like as a child um well I'm an only child so um I, I do have two half brothers now but always with my mom, I think I was a little bit, um, I was a good girl, always very good, well-behaved. Um, I never really socialized with the other kids when I was really young, like at the creche, they always were a bit worried about me because I, all the other kids were like playing and screening. And I was always quite like alone <laughs> and not really <laughs> talking to others. But um I don't know how somehow that all changed later on in life, clearly, because now I'm like an extrovert socialite. But but when I was younger, I was the opposite. <laughs> yeah. When when did dance come into your life? Um, started at the age of four. Um, and obviously, when I started at four, it was just kind of a hobby. My mom wanted me to start to socialize. So she thought, oh, Maybe if she starts to do ballet, she will make new friends and she'll start to talk a little bit more. And um, so it really just started off like a hobby, really. Um, and I just started off with ballet. I remember I did 30 minutes of ballet like twice a week. And, you know, when you're four years old doing ballet, it's like, let's be a butterfly. Good toes, naughty toes. <laughs> I've not heard good toes, naughty toes. <laughs> yeah, it's a good toes, naughty toes. Um, so, yeah, I started off with ballet and then, uh, yeah, I just absolutely loved it. I just fell in love with dance and it was almost as though I used it as an emotional getaway, really. That's how I'd explain it. And I just fell in love. <laughs> I love that because I've heard so many different ways people ended up. There was a lot of the ladies that went in because either their legs are bow legged or knock kneed or 
just different things physically. Oh, and it was, do- and yeah. doctors that would say, take ballet. I'm like, I never knew any cool doctors that would recommend people take ballet instead of yeah. surgery or braces. So I love that. But also my parents put, or my mom put me in ballet because she said I was very shy and I ran into the yeah. furniture all the time. And so I understand that oh. shy thing because I'm wondering if, I mean, we might've found a different way to socialize, but somehow like you even said, you get to imagine being a butterfly. It opens up a world for a shy kid because you can yes, be in the sure. class, but not necessarily like put on the spot. But when you are ready to, you get to shine a little. Do you remember what it yes. felt like when you were young? Maybe not necessarily four or two, but do you remember when you started to something and yeah, you started remember, to really connect? I think it was the first time, um, even at five years old, I remember because I did a lot of dance competitions in England. And um, I remember my dance teacher put me on stage. I did my first ever ballet solo in a tutu at <laughs> five years old. And I remember just being on stage and I just remember feeling like I was a star, like a shining star. <sighs> and I just, I don't know how it just kind of, I started off, I wasn't very good at the beginning, to be honest. I was just doing it as a hobby, but then it wasn't until I got to like 11 years old where my dance teacher said to my mom, look, she has a real talent. You should really push her forwards in the dancing world because it was just something that became clear to my dance teacher that I'd obviously just practiced and practiced. And again, it was just getting the emotions out. I don't know if it comes from maybe divorced parents. Maybe it was my way of dealing with that. And I Mm -hmm. dealt through it with dancing and you know, and socializing. And I did make friends, a lot of friends from it. So it did work. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, there's like, so many things similar that I just talked about in an interview. Someone interviewed me is also remembering what it felt like to feel the lights on your face. But when you're shy, that's people don't go, oh, you're going to be the one that's going to feel like a star. Because I remember what I felt like on the stage of the bluebell. And then I had a memory of what it felt like in my first recital when I saw the lights and I got to go yeah. forward. So there is, there's something that maybe there is that, that calls to us. If you're a shyer person, like this is your chance yes, because sure. in, in a social setting in school, it's not always safe to be like, I would like to be a star. <laughs> doesn't usually yeah. go well in the it, playground. To like, <laughs> no, <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> I want to be the center. Like that's, that's really beautiful. I think I'm just resonating everybody's story. Like why, why did we end up doing this? Cause it's sometimes just happenstance and sometimes there's just something resonates for a place from the emotional part I love because yeah. I just feel like we've understood that dance is therapeutic more than a lot of people used to give it credit for so did your dance did your yeah. dance teacher want you to take more classes or more variety of class or train because sometimes there's places they can only take you so far or you have to go somewhere else or maybe up how many classes you're taking or challenge you more um yeah she exactly I was already doing a lot of dance classes but um she said to my mum that I should try to audition for um the ballet schools in London to get on the associate program so when you do like an associate program in the ballet schools it means that every Saturday you go and you do eight hours on a Saturday of ballet uh, or contemporary dance pas de deux and to get all the RAD exams, because in England, I don't know what it's like in America, but we need to have RAD, ISTD examinations. They're the most common exam boards. Um, And it helps you later on to audition for the dance colleges. Um, So I auditioned for the Royal Ballet School and the Central School of Ballet in London. Um, Wow. 
the Royal Ballet School, um, I got onto the waiting list, but I didn't get in. I mean, the waiting list, you know, there's thousands of names. And unfortunately, my surname is with a W. So clearly, <laughs> I oh. end up on the end. <laughs> um, and uh, then I got into the Central School of Ballet. So I started that. So I went every Saturday up to London. And I did that for, yeah, from 11 till uh, nearly 16 years old every Saturday. So it really helped me with my technique and really pushed me further and to get all my exams done. So um, I went through all the RID exams and uh, definitely made me grow as a dancer for sure. Um, however, later on, I, I thought that maybe I'd go down the ballet route. But when I was at the Central School of Ballet, that is when at 15, I had a big growth spurt. So yep. of course, um, <laughs> The ballet teacher said, you know, you're getting a bit, a bit tall because when you do pas de deux with the boys, all the boys were way smaller than me in my point shoes. Um, in Lido standards, I'm still not that tall, but of course in the ballet world, I'm tall. Um, and so, yes, I really, I always learned tap, jazz. I knew all the styles already, but I did think that I preferred ballet back then. So it meant that when I auditioned for the college to get my diploma as a professional dancer, that I wanted to do something uh, with more of a variety. I wanted to choose a college where really they have everything. So uh, did you yeah. continue to train with your ballet teacher back home on the weekdays or was Saturday that eight hours was your main training? I, I did all in the week as well with my uh, local ballet wow. teacher. Wow. I did everything honestly I did ballet jazz tap modern um I lyrical ja lyrical dance yeah I did really all the styles even singing song and dance was another <laughs> category where you sing wow. and dance but yeah everything <laughs> I just that says a lot about your ballet teacher because I feel there's really good teachers that have helped us go along and there's a lot of dance teachers that are or especially studio owner kind of thing that it's a threat to them for you to out, to go past where they can take you. So to be yes. humble enough to say, I've taken you this far, this will help you and to let you go. But the freedom that you could still train with her was wonderful. Cause I think we see it here at the studios here. You don't have to have a certification or anything to teach. Anybody could teach. Yeah. It's a lot of there's We're oversaturated with studios in certain areas. So the kids will just pick okay. and choose. I want to go here now. What can you offer me? What, and then I want to go to this one. Cause I can get, more solos or whatever there's a lot of unhealthy things and beautiful things yeah but there's a lot of studio owners that don't want anybody to know there's anything outside their studio because they're very threatened if you know you'll leave me yeah, <laughs> so there are those sure, teachers yeah. that we hear like this is a, a I want to see you do well and if that means that you leave to go do it it's that's a very um gracious wonderful well-adjusted teacher in my mind <laughs> Yeah, I feel honestly, she was a lovely, I feel really grateful that she helped me. Uh, and also the sad thing is I missed that part out, but I actually did have to leave her dance school in the end because um, I had to get all these exams done. So I had to transfer to another dance school locally, which offered the other examinations that I could get done. But she was always uh, remaining close to me and we're still in contact now. So She's always really proud of what I've done. Oh. So that's really nice. <laughs> I have a little question for those of us in America who don't have these certifications and trainings and exams. Are you learning terminology, history, like what is how to teach, like ped ped okay, pedagogy? Like um, what is it that you're actually learning to pass these exams 
to keep going forward? Um, RAD and ISTD, they are exams where it's just all feel. So you have to learn a certain amount of exercises. For example, in ballet, I did the ballet tap and modern jazz. Uh, it's just, you have to learn all these exercises off by heart. You do an exam and there's all the different grades like uh, intermediate, advanced one, advanced two, all these different levels. Yeah. And it's just a recognized certificate. So when you audition for the big schools, the big colleges, they recognize those examinations which show your level of dance in a way. Uh, but it's just that if you really want to get to the top schools and the best schools, as in I'm talking the dance colleges, you need these examinations. So in England, it's very on the RAD and ISTD examinations. Does that help you to be a professional dancer or does, do people look at that and say this is okay. High qualifications to be a professional dancer, not just teacher or um, choreographer or anything in dance. Just helps you to get into the, yeah, it helps you to become a professional dancer, but helps you to get into the top dance colleges where you then go on to do the diploma. So it's really, really beneficial in England to have it. Yeah. I always would recommend any dancer to really do those exams if they really want to get far you know yeah as you know in America too it's very competitive I think in England and America you know it's so competitive for dance it's crazy <laughs> yeah so did you want to become a professional dancer was that what you're going for or for teaching to go to do all this work was it more for the performance part or teaching or either um, for me, it was performing. I just knew I wanted to be a professional dancer for sure. Performing for me was just my life. It's just something that even in my day to day, even now with my current job teaching, I see it as like a show that I do every day <laughs> because yeah. it's kind of a performance that I'm giving when I'm teaching. Um, and I just have this like, I just this buzz I think we all feel it but when I'm on stage I just transform and I feel so confident when I'm on stage yeah. <laughs> and I just transform into this other person so it's I yeah that's why I wanted to become a dancer for sure <laughs> and then you're in your RAD were they kind of helping you see what's out there for a tall beautiful ballerina or did you did you have any you I know that a lot of you a lot of the girls in England know about the bluebells in Europe, like in America, they don't really know who she is. Did you have any inkling that you might go that direction? Do you know what? It actually, it only happened when I was 18. I had a flatmate at my dance college where I trained three years and I stayed with her and she knew she was a tall girl and she knew about the leader and for her 18th birthday, she invited me to watch the leader in Paris. And it was the first time that I had watched the show with her. And it was very funny because she said, oh, this, I would like to be a leader girl. But I, I didn't know what she was talking about, really. I'd never, I had heard of Moulin Rouge. But I hadn't really heard of the leader. And then I went to watch the show and I just fell in love with all the girls. And I said to myself, I want to be <laughs> on that stage. And I remember at 18, I just watched the show and I just, I think I was actually 17. She was older than me. I think I was 17 at that age. And um, I just watched it and I said, oh my God, I have to, I have to be one of them girls. <laughs> wow. And then was afterwards I did all the research. 
Okay, was that Perry, uh, Perry Mervais or was that Bonner? It when was Bonner that I. Okay. Seen. I'm now I'm now thirty, um, but yeah, it's seventeen years old. I had watched. Okay, Bonner. yeah, I'm I'm finally getting the order of when the shows happen because <laughs> Paris. I just because I worked in in America, so I like bought Vegas, Reno. We knew those, and I knew there was things I over mean, there, but I. I've learned so much from doing the podcast of what shows ran, how it changed over. Yeah. Most of us back then had no idea. We would just do the next job and it was fun and no, you know, <laughs> where did this start? Yeah, so how soon yeah. did you audition after that? Did you go prepared audition or like you said, you're researching. Did you know what you needed to do I, when um, auditions were going to be or contact them? I first of all, finished my studies at my, um, college I did a three-year course to become a professional dancer with a diploma um, and then actually I was offered a job I had to leave college early because I was offered a job in Monte Carlo Monaco where I am now um, oh. and I, I did a cabaret here as my first job um, but I had just literally finished college so I was uh, literally 19 doing my first job here for six months and during my, um, I had already sent as well whilst I was here, my CV and photos. My mom helped me my CV to send to Lido, but I knew nobody. I just, I found on the website, the contact details of Jane and I sent my CV, photos, everything. And then they offered me an audition date actually on my day off. Uh, from my cabaret that I was working at the time. So I flew from Nice to Paris on my day off and I did the first audition uh, in that time. And um, yeah, I auditioned, but it was very interesting actually how I started because I auditioned the first time. I had just, I think I was just turned 19 and they actually said to me in the audition that it was better that I uh, continued to work a little bit before because they felt like I was too young to start in Bonner at that time and they said come back to audition when you've finished your contract so it was a bit of a weird start I they just said that I was a bit too young and I needed some more experience in the professional dancer life <laughs> yeah. before I went there um, so I finished my contract in Monaco and then I was offered another audition date. It was in December 2011. So I went to the audition um, and, you, you know, it was incredible. And I knew that the second audition, I really had to give it my all because I really, really wanted it so bad. I was so nervous. <laughs> and my mum was with me as well. And um, it was with Jane, all of the panel, Pierre on there. Mm. Um, everyone and um yeah I did the audition I got a private audition uh with one other girl um and we did you know how in the auditions we did the finale scene of Bonner as the audition dance and uh yeah on the same day they offered me the contract and they said how do you feel to begin in one month so I started in January 2012 and it was really lovely and actually in the audition which was so nice is that um they said to me that I had like the like the real image of Miss Bluebell because I was oh. like the blonde eyes so it was really yeah. touching and I remember I just burst into tears uh, I was just so grateful but they did say like I was very young because at that time in Bonheur I was one of the younger girls because back then the girls were a lot older 
So mm. I was 19 and I started in Bono as the youngest one <laughs> when I first started. But um, yeah, it was just amazing. I remember just crying my eyes out that day. It was just, yeah, thinking about it now. I just remember how nervous I was. I couldn't even talk. Um, but yeah, no, it was, wow. it was really lovely. And so yeah, then you, I started in January. Did you feel like when they wanted you to get more experience, because you, you went back and you were still working professional, do you, do you feel like that helped you in your next audition? Because sometimes it's even face, like our faces change in our teens to our womanhood. But I've heard James yes. say that to a few people when they came back, they had their face had changed, but also yeah. they were, they were more, I don't want to say womanly, not just because when you come right out of high school, like that little bit of life outside of your home helps. And I don't know, yeah. there's just something that when you watch the lead, oh, those, they look like women where, you know, you could yeah, be 18 and still yeah. present that way, but a little life, a little bit more professional work, a little more growth. So they must yes. have seen it. Did you feel the difference? Not that you just said you I worked felt, harder at your gym. I think I just, uh, yeah, I changed a lot. I learned so much in the first job. Uh, as you say, it was a cabaret as well. So I learned more about sensuality and more becoming a woman. And also I do have quite a baby face. So I think maybe didn't work so much in my favor at that time I have such a baby face um but honestly I think that just having that first job and really learning about yourself as a woman and your body it helped me and then of course when I first started I started as a bluebell and I still had to learn even when I first started at Lido I did feel very young I mean nowadays in the Lido there is very young girls 18 19 years old but as you say, I think it really depends on everyone's lifestyles. Um, and I had to just, just being in another country, not speaking the language anyway, you have to mature very quickly. Yeah. I, know it. Um, I think it was just a question of not being so much baby Emma, because also I was always with my mom around me a lot and I'm a very home girl, family girl. So yeah, it was just coming out of my comfort zone. And I think, yeah, maybe Jane saw that I had changed a little yeah. bit and maybe grown up in a short space of time but it's true you have to mature very quickly uh, I heard that yeah. about Jane and Pierre like they they knew what they were looking for because you they I'm sure they see amazing dancers all the time but there is something that they see the finished product and like you're so close but I think taking the, yeah. someone there too soon actually would probably stunt their growth in a weird way like yes. let them mature and then let them grow you the rest of the way instead of just, you know, take, yeah. I mean, 16, 17, 18 year olds. I know some of the girls early on, they could be 16. I'm like, I can't imagine my yes. kids at 16 leaving the country somewhere. They don't speak the language and figuring out this big city yeah. and that kind of life. So I do think, you know, they're very wise in that because you're more grounded. You're going to be better backstage <laughs> and uh, yes, in the sure. show there's there's the things they take into account other than just how good of a dancer you are and mentally stronger as well I feel like to be at leader you need to be quite mentally strong as well as physically but it's also mentally so maybe that's why as well I felt like ready to start but it's true that you had to be very strong <laughs> yeah I think those are the parts I'm hoping when people listen to this that are considering this there's so much, or those of us who did it, because some of us had no idea why we get some jobs and why we don't get others, because no one tells you. And then you hear these other things like, oh, maybe that was the case for me. Like, I just was not quite ready, or now you got it. 
Yes, exactly. So I'm not ashamed to say it, but it's uh, it, it was good, I think, for them to give me that time to mature in between. Not that long. I mean, it was really a short, maybe six months. <laughs> but, um, she grew up fast. I grew up fast. <laughs> <laughs> Did you come into the, the very end of Bonaire? I, I always want to say it bon, Bonaire. 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 <laughs> okay. All of us who Bonaire. are not from, I think even people in England that, that are in their shows, like I still feel a little nervous speaking French in front of I French know, people. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Don't worry. I have yeah. such a strong accent. And um, I actually did three years of Bonaire. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. So you were, the, how was that being at the end of a show? Because I love that you have the perspective of the end of one show and the and creation of another. Because yeah. I heard there was a big, I mean, it was a big switchover of who was producing the show, who was choreographing, oh. the style of the show. So you really got to see both sides of that, good and bad, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> It was very tough, I think, for everyone listening to this who was in Bonner and did the same as me. They will understand how tough it was. But, um, yeah, it was quite bad. I mean, they really got rid of quite a lot of dancers in Bonner. And, of course, they told us one day, I remember that day, everyone had to come in in the daytime and it was to know if you'd been chosen for the new show or not. And you have to imagine that we all had to re-audition for the new show but all in front of each other. So it's awful. So we're oh. all there, all the girls in front of each other. And everyone is kind of like, oh, are we going to get it or not? Um, and then in the evening when everyone had been told, of course, sometimes you're sat next to someone in the lodge. I was sat next to a girl who wasn't offered the new show. Oh. And everyone knows, everyone knows everyone's business in the Lido because gossip travels fast there. But uh yeah, it was just very, it was a very weird atmosphere. It was very weird. And obviously we had to finish that we got told in August. When did Bonner close? 2014, December 2014, I think was the last show or the end of November. Um, and we were told in like August and we had to continue to the end of the show working in this environment where some people are know, you know, they know that they're not going to continue and then there's all of us who are getting excited for the new show. And yeah, so it was a bit, it was a very difficult time. But honestly, to be part of Bonheur for me was an absolute, it's just such a memory and an iconic moment. And to, to have worked with Pierre Rambert as well. And I was lucky enough to do the, some of the galas and the tour, the tour to Russia. Uh, mm. all these things it was just an incredible experience um, and then obviously then it was the creation period which was so difficult as you said we had a new choreographer completely new style <laughs> for the show and uh, a lot of us showgirls maybe weren't as happy with the creation period because it was very it was a big shock for us it was really a big change yeah. um, but of everyone has their own stories and opinions of it but I can say that honestly Bonheur for me was the end of really what Lido was about before they modernized it that that's so good I like that people are talking about it honestly because there's a lot of attachments to what Lido has been can be because I've heard the perspective of those who didn't get cast and how they were heartbroken, but also they were friends with people who got it and how 
being on both sides of that is really hard because if you want to be happy for your friends that get to stay, but you're miserable and the whole thing of being in the lodge together, because I just remember even auditioning for things where I got it and my friend did it and you want to like jump up and down because you're so happy and you don't yes. want to make them feel worse. And I've been in when my friend got it and I did it. And it's such a hard thing for friendships because when you yeah. want to celebrate, like, well, we have to go do it together, which almost makes it more divided. But yeah. So how, what was the audition like? Because I, I mean, I, when I went to the show in at the arena in 2019, it was all us bluebells. There was 300 of us in the audience. I don't know if you were there for that yeah. show, but it was. No, it was, I'd already left. Yeah. Oh, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. But we, there, I love the new Lido and I like the Mulan. I like that there's both, but a lot of the older bluebells were very sad. There weren't more feathers. There weren't more showgirls and it, it broke their heart in a way. And then there's like, it's interesting talking to people. Like it does, if things don't change, then they're going to die out. But it's a hard change yeah. because like even the Lido when you were in it, Bonaire was different from like the sixties. So it always is evolving, but that feels like the biggest jump that they've ever made. And I'm not yes. sure the reasoning, like we have to keep up with you know, like Cirque or all these other style shows to be valid, but it's also sad that the showgirl part's gone away. And I know they have this whole section in the new show where they brought them back and the girls are loving wearing those big headdresses and the feathers because they didn't they don't get to experience that the way that you feel when you come out yeah. in one of those costumes which the audience you don't you don't have to do anything but just stand there and people are like oh. exactly exactly <laughs> and that's honestly what uh one of the reasons I actually left is just because I felt like I wasn't a showgirl anymore I just felt like it had changed so much and the in creation, you can't imagine we were doing like contemporary workshops, like contemporary style dance every day, which for some people, they loved that because it was also their style, which they loved. But for someone like me, who I am more of like a jazzy dancer, maybe I love jazz, I love uh, performance and more commercial dance. So uh, it was a, such a big change that obviously, it was, yeah, as you say, it was kind of heartbreaking. And a lot of us had a burnout. We were all exhausted. We were rehearsing so many hours. We were all like getting really skinny. <laughs> I remember we were all like just so tired, but um, it was just such a huge, as you say, a huge jump to modernize Lido that it was just maybe a bit too overwhelming to go. From it wasn't gradual. To... It feels like if it would have been no. a gradual yes. thing, it might've. Um, yes. Yeah. So you in Bonaire, were you, I can't, I've seen video, which is so fun because we can find on a lot on YouTube, but there yeah. was like showgirl pieces. What were like the big production number? Cause that's different too, even in the contemporary, like, cause there was a way that Don Arden did this huge tableau, this whole scene. And then that's done. It goes to something else, but it's very thematic. Like if you're in India or if you're an African number, yes. like it we were like San Francisco in the 1800s, like you knew where you were in a scene, like you were watching a musical. But yes, now it, like, it kind of, the flow is different, but what was Bonaire like as far as like the, the big themes and the style changes? Uh, there was just a bit of everything. I think if somebody didn't know anything about Bonaire, the show, like my dad watched it the first time and was like, I didn't really understand what was going on. He just loved it. <laughs> because it, was so, it was so dramatic and it was so, all these costumes, like for, for example, the open, we were birds dressed in these beautiful oh, feathers. I was a blue 
through bell and bonheur, through our birds. And then maybe the next point we were um, dressed in like pink little mini dresses with flowers on our heads, which was really like pink and flowery and bright. And then there was the next bit where we were dressed up as cats and the cats went shopping. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was so random, which I loved. I just loved everything about that. Of course, there was more the Indian scene. We came up on a temple and did all this temple choreography with masks on. And uh, then, yeah, went to India. And then there was a cabaret scene, uh, which did Mayan hair with the cabaret hats, which was really cool. And then, of course, the Grand Canal, which was in feathers and it was very glamorous. So it was all in Bonheur. It was really a mix of tableaus, but all the costumes were absolutely incredible. Those and bird really ones, I've looked those up. Those are some of my favorite. Yes. That is and that just the glamour of that piece. It is so beautiful. And then the cat one, because it is kind of quirky. And I love the the, the cabaret. Is that the Bonaire that or um mine hair? That's the bowler hats with the kind of thigh high. Yes. And that was like yeah. contemporary in it. So there was, it wasn't like they were stuck in the 50s. There was still progression of cabaret. Like yeah. It was, it was I like love I've seen kind of I love that. Yeah, Bob Fossey. Wow. Because then you one of my favorite numbers. Well, and that's, I think, as a dancer, because I love doing the showgirl stuff, but I loved in the show, you also, if it's a kick line or something, like we didn't have that much that was very contemporary, like you guys have, even in the like, panache, there was things, oh, excuse me, um, but as a dancer, you get a fun challenge that you're not just walking, because I think being a showgirl, it's highlighted just a few numbers in the show, but if you did that the whole show, it would be boring for you and for the yes. audience, so there's moments where it's like, the crown jewel like we're bringing out yeah. all the best all the beauty all the sparkles all the glamour and then this number you're going to just dance your butt off yeah exactly and that's what I felt like in Bonheur I also as a bluebell in Bonheur I felt like we danced more than the nudes because or the topless girls because of course <laughs> it's normal but I did feel after every night that I was giving it my all and I would sweat like I really was dancing whereas in the new show in Paris Merveille I did not feel I mean I was also I went into the bells bell line in the new show I became topless but I never felt really apart from afterwards after the can can maybe <laughs> I was a bit yeah. sweaty but uh I never felt like I really was using my dancing skills to the max I didn't feel they used us enough because in Paris Merveille they had such an amazing cast and I felt like all of us were very phenomenal and every dancer was good at different things but they didn't highlight our skills enough maybe but of course it's just yeah. an opinion yeah and well that's why I think all this <laughs> and this is really good because I've heard it from the older bluebells of that change was so hard for them but it's really so good hard. to hear the perspective of someone your age who's a young person who also isn't like, let's just throw away everything old and only do new things because that's not yeah. the perspective of a lot of young people that understand like what got us here, who was Miss Bluebell, what was Bluebell, yes. It's just such a shame. And yeah, it was I just think it's something that, you know, they maybe could have thought about. I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen to Lido now with everything going on, but um I really hope that they really think about the legendary, iconic showgirl, what Miss Bluebell created and why we were there. I mean, we're all tall dancers who are too tall for ballet and who love to put on plumes and sparkles. It's the glamour, it's how we feel. We want to feel a million dollars, but also we are 
fantastic dancers. So it's yeah. just, you know, oh. not just bracket. <laughs> I went down to Las Vegas a month ago. I have a show that I'm putting oh. together two weeks away. I'm doing a oh, Parisian cabaret. And so my showgirl costumes are nothing near Lido, but I do have some from a producer that was selling oh, things, wow. but to go, cause I, my first move out of living at home was to Las Vegas to audition and it's changed so much. Like it used to be mafia run. So Vegas has changed, but there's all these showgirl um, statues and every showgirls are ever, there's no showgirls in Vegas anymore, but there's showgirl iconic symbols, but there's no showgirl. And and you see the girls that are walking down the strip and they've got booty shirts or their butt cheeks hanging out, either their tennis shoes or like stripper shoes their hair is hanging down they slump and it would be awful to go up and like just show them how to stand like a showgirl you don't want to offend them but I'm like let me help you make more tips here but that's what that's when people in Vegas go oh that they say oh those showgirls and you want to go that's not a showgirl that's not a showgirl but it's what it's what started this whole thing in Vegas was the showgirl shows and the glamour and the beauty so that happened with Jubilee they tried to modernize it and and throw everything yeah. out and it, it, it collapsed. Like, I think there's, I'm wondering with Lido too, because I'm going to be there in a few weeks. I'm going to see the show. I'm bringing a dancer who has a private okay. audition, which maybe gives me a little hope that maybe oh, the show will run great. a little longer, but I'm wondering when yes, they readjust, course. if they think that they have to move it even forward, more forward into now, or if they might look back and reclaim. I mean, nobody knows what's happening. I've only heard rumor, but I'm wondering because the showgirl's gone away everywhere except for Paris you know the the Mulan hopefully they still keep that if they change up their yeah. shows but it'd be really sad that's why I think the importance of doing the podcast hearing the stories like get these stories told what did it feel like to be a showgirl like you said it feels you, you know like that that feeling on stage and if you feel that way the audience is going oh because I'm yeah. even teaching showgirl stuff to my dancers here they've never some have never seen it and so it's not just what you're wearing. It's how you feel no. when you wear it, that the audience isn't hating you because you're beautiful. I don't know if they say that in England, but that expression, oh, you're so pretty. I hate you. I'm like, that's a terrible thing to say. Yeah, it's not <laughs> you're so talented. I hate you. But I think when, yeah, when, you, when you're in your full beauty on stage, women aren't going, oh, I hate you because you're beautiful. Or my husband's looking at you like, oh my goodness, thank you. This is like giving us beauty that we don't have and to feel bad about ourselves. Yeah, yeah it's, sure. I think it's, it feels... Like when I see a show, I don't go, gosh, I wish my stomach looked like that. Or I wish they still look like that. <laughs> I'm just so happy it exists because it's like, we need, we need a little extra beauty in the world right now. Cause the world's kind of ugly. In a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. So I think we need to change the mind. <laughs> yeah. So when people get to just sit for an hour and a half or however long and just be dazzled, it's wonderful. And there, if the theme doesn't make any sense, cause I interviewed somebody when she saw the show in Vegas that she can't, she asked me, am I dumb? I don't understand the theme. And they go, oh, there isn't a theme. She's like, okay. Cause I don't know how they got okay. to the Titanic into, um, Samson and Delilah. That doesn't, that doesn't, <laughs> but it's like the whole magical world of Don Arden. Like, show, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you were in India. Never mind. Now we're doing cabaret. And so like, just let that go. Exactly. So I think when I think Cirque du Soleil does it, they try to weave, weave a story thread. It's just magical by itself. But sometimes like, I know you're trying to connect this, but just let us just be dazzled for a while and not have to follow a thread. It's like, it's just beautiful on the sake of being beautiful. 
and also for people to understand that being a showgirl isn't just about wearing a nice costume and standing but it's also about the dancer themselves we have to know how to show ourselves and to or even just to hold yourself in those heavy costumes is really hard right I yeah. mean, some of the hats are so heavy but it's just about having the presence and the elegance and that's what I think a lot of women these days, they don't know how to maybe hold themselves in a feminine way. You can be sensual, but with class, you don't have to, you know. And I see that a lot now because there's many right now, there's lots of heels classes, right? So it's like the common class, the most popular class to yeah. go to. And I see a lot in America, the heels classes, called a talon. And, uh, but sometimes I find that it's quite vulgar what they do, but they don't teach them really just by walking or by standing in a bevel, how elegant and beautiful you can look as a woman. You don't always have to do all this <laughs> crazy choreography. <laughs> oh. I taught a class because the heels is very popular at my studio and yeah. We did a workshop with two of us. So one, her heels comes more out of ballroom, but she's her ball, her heels class is really popular, but she trains like how you walk in your heels, how you stand where some people will teach yeah. a heels class and just do hip hop and put heels on or hump the floor exactly. in yeah. heels. I'm like, that's, that's actually not where you learn your foundations. So we taught yes. together and we switched up our style. So the other guy is, oh, it's very that. sexy. It's a lot about touching yourself, but it's teaching yeah. people to feel sensual. So there's beauty in all yeah. those. So we taught it together and we did across the floor when they would stand, they would like touch themselves and all that. And so when I had them hold still for eight, eight counts, people did not know what to do. And I go, here's your yeah. challenge. You do not get to touch, touch your breast when you're wearing a rhinestone bikini. You don't get to hump the floor. You can't get back up in those feathers. Can you exactly. stand there for eight counts and, and just be and not have to do because people start turning their head. They start touching their face. They don't know what to do with themselves to hold still yeah. and let people just see them. I think it is that being seen, if I can keep moving, like, okay, I'm working, you know, I'm working. If I stand there, like, well, now I either look lazy or you're looking at me too much. <laughs> There's a, re it's really challenging. Cause I teach, it's hard for people to hold still and just be beautiful. There's something I feel, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, insecurities that come up and people get emotional. Yeah. So I actually teach a showgirl series and we get more into the why of where your femininity comes. And it, it's really beautiful. What comes out. I'm like, I'm just teaching showgirl stuff, but it's so much more than people think so much put, the, put these feathers on and you got it. It's like, where is this coming from? It comes from within. <laughs> so the audition for Perry Merveille, was it way different than, because you were doing the finale piece for Bonaire. So you were doing something from the show. What did um, they have you, what was the audition like that started to know it was switching? We did this choreography to actually the choreography was really nice uh, to um, what was the song? I think it was I'm feeling good or something like this. Oh. Um, I can't remember that. I think it was I'm feeling good, but it was a beautiful uh, choreography. However, it's true that it was still with this kind of contemporary style. I mean, Benoit Swampufa was an amazing choreographer he's a phenomenal dancer and I admire his work however it wasn't like jazzy showgirl it was very different so it was kind of getting used to this new style 
But honestly, when we did the audition dance, we were all like, wow, we're really dancing, in fact. So you did the audition and it already got you excited. And we thought, oh, okay, it's a new style, but at least we're really dancing. So we kind of enjoyed it because we were dancing so much. But then when we had, after the new show was created, even in the creation, we did create some amazing dance pieces as well as some more contemporary dances, but it all just got scrapped. All the, oh. all the routines, we had one which was really a bit more upbeat and cutesy, more my style, and it just got scrapped. And Franco Dragon just scrapped all the dancey numbers. So at one point- Oh, my heart, oh my heart. I <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Well, at one point, I remember I Petra was with me, and I just, I just broke into tears. We were in the middle of rehearsals because I just felt like I was a walking statue. Because every day that he would scrap <sighs> another choreography, and you, and you imagine we worked four months, like really loads of hours. I mean, we had to get an RERD to go to stands, which was outside of Paris, in the middle of nowhere. We were all exhausted, and then you come to perform on the stage. You finally want to get the show together, and then oh no, okay, that number he doesn't like. And then there was another. He would spend much more time with all the acts and the artists than actually what we had been working on. So I imagine also for the choreographer Benoit, it must have been really hard he, to have worked so long on all these choreographies. Oh, I, yeah. It was just overwhelming. Oh. oh, there's the dog. Oh, no, the this, this again. Because <laughs> I've done shows where we learn some fun things like, oh, but now you're wearing these boots, you can't walk in. Oh, and by the way, there's oil on the stage. So they would take out the things that, yeah, it's so hard because like, well, the set's now in the way. So all that, so it becomes about the sets and the production and, instead of the dancing for a lot of those. Like, yeah, the whole thing you learned, it doesn't work because there's no, this giant spaceship, which we had in the show that we, <laughs> you can't do the dance because the spaceship is taking up the whole space. And like, that is just really frustrating, especially like you said, to do all that work for so long. Yeah. You and it was already a hard enough it. change. So how long did you, how was the opening of the show? Because there's so many adjustments, like the morale, I think that's got to be hard because you've got people that are brand new that have never done a show that are probably excited. And then you're coming from something that felt more home to you. That just yes. sounds like it was really hard even to, to gel. I mean, I don't know how honest everyone else has been on the podcast, but I'm just going to go in there and be really honest. But um actually the opening of the show, we weren't ready for the show. Um, we didn't have any costumes even. So imagine we came, uh, they invited lots of journalists, uh, all these people really excited to watch the new Paris Merveille show. And we went on stage, we had just learned maybe the rest of the choreography, maybe an hour before we started. We were oh. so not organized, not ready at all. We didn't, I remember on one number, we didn't have the costume. And as um, I was topless in that show, we had to go on stage in a string with our boobs out, like no jewelry. I just felt uh, honestly mortified. Um, it was really degrading. And um, it just wasn't fair because you weren't ready. One number, we even went on with um, just a tank top and black leggings because we still didn't have the costumes. So it was just... Um, oh, it, and that's it, when it the press it, and everybody's there? Yeah, although Franco Dragon did make an announcement before the show and he did admit that we weren't maybe ready and it was more like an invitation of like a dress rehearsal of the show. Um, but it was mm. honestly 
uh, for me personally, I found it really bad because I felt like we could have waited maybe another month to do the opening, even though we were late. It just really wasn't ready. And a lot of us just felt really not good on stage. We just felt like, I can't even explain. I'm kind of speechless because on that day I was really emotional. We were all exhausted and yeah, just to go on stage and to not feel good in yourself to wear like a little string. I mean, it just, it just yeah, you can't imagine. It was really that process. I think that, um, well, first of all, it made us all, I think a lot stronger mentally <laughs> and you learned a lot about yourself. We all were being tested a lot. However, it really did knock a lot of us down. Um, in that period of creation, for me, it wasn't an enjoyable moment. I really lost part of who I was. Mm. And um, I kind of lost a bit the passion because we weren't showgirls in that time. We, it was just really a difficult, but I think for everyone, it was really difficult, even, including the choreographer, including Franco Dragon, including all the direction. I think there was a lot of pressure and it was a lot of stress. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, we did pull through, you know, the show did pull off in the end, but it was just interesting to see what all of us went through. And of course, as you say, like I witnessed from being in Bonheur, the closing of Bonheur, um, it was just really a very weird, bizarre time. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, I feel for I feel for Benoit, like how as a choreographer to just watch everything scrapped a lot of the time that was wasted, but also to see what you put your heart into. And that's that someone can just and I'm thinking even line captains or Jane, whoever is trying to get the show ready. And then they have no control if it looks if it's ready or not. They've done and the dancers have done everything you can possibly do. And yes. it's still it's like all your work still, still feels like yeah. this is what we're representing. Was there a lot of press around like this is new and more contemporary or did they say anything about the new show like for to get people in uh, like, oh, it's more updated or I'm just curious how even people who are used to the Lido would be because I've heard people that, you know, that didn't know what, either way what it was like before and some people like, oh, but it's not how it used to be. And I think yeah, there's I something think, of nostalgia uh, not letting things grow, but you can do both. Yeah, I think maybe what well, we did at the beginning, our beginning, I remember that we had a few, like quite a lot of feedback from people, but the, most of the comments were like, oh, but this is not leader, there's no feathers. Uh, a lot of people were disappointed, but the people who were disappointed were more the elderly people who have known Lido forever. Um, yeah. Even my, my grandparents watched Lido years ago, so they knew what it was. Um, but in fact, yeah, maybe what they could have done is done more of a mix between the old and the new. For example, the current show now, um, Jane did change it a little bit. I, if I'm not entirely sure, but um, what I understand is they have managed to adapt it right now. where It's become more with more feathers. You can see yeah. now online that they've kind of done a bit of a mix. And I think that's probably what they should have done from the beginning to keep that history of Lido with all the beautiful costumes, but then also add in some more modernized routines uh, yeah. because, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, back in the time, I guess it, we just had a fixed date where we had to do the show by, they'd already probably spent millions <laughs> on this show. So it was just a timing issue really, but it was just very unfortunate because 
it did affect some of us and of course it led me to leaving in the end because I just I wasn't happy doing that show anymore well I know I've seen pictures of the new section they put in there as a tribute to the Lido so a lot of these women like I think Savannah's mother Karina and some like oh the costumes they wore are, are being represented so I think it brings in the older generation to appreciate Lido again that they're yes. that those pieces are coming back and it, i love that they're acknowledging that and, and if that was jane's choice thank you thank you thank you because i'm gonna see the sure. show and that's the part i'm the most excited for i did see the show when i was there a couple years ago and i loved it because i thought i love the tango i thought oh they are doing some beautiful things in here and i don't know that i missed the feathers as much until someone said it i went oh yeah because i didn't have the same attachment to Lido. But if I had gone back okay. to the show I was in and they had taken those out, I would have been like, but where's, where's this part? This is what sets us apart from all the other shows. Yes. So how long did you stay bef- and to, to then decide this was all you're going to do? Because it is, I love that you're on, honoring the heart part because you really, you're not just complaining. Like when people are like, oh, I don't like this, your, your heart went with how Miss Bluebell set it up and what it, what you were attached as a young person of what the history was which I think is gorgeous that that's what motivated you to like stay or not. Yeah. I just felt like I wasn't doing, I also loved Pierre Rambert. He helped me a lot when I started as a young bluebell, he helped me to blossom, including Jane and Kate. Well, and Petra, all of them, but I just felt like I wasn't honoring what Miss Bluebell created. And it was my, I also did have injuries um which also led me to leave but it's just kind of I didn't feel like I was a a Lido showgirl anymore I felt like I was in like a Las Vegas show uh I was doing a show but it wasn't really me um and I think if your heart isn't there anymore it's time to leave because then I felt like I wasn't enjoying it and um yeah that's the time when you need to blossom and move on to the next chapter as much as I miss so much performing and I still get to perform now and then, <laughs> but um, I think it was a good choice for sure in the end. Yeah. Um, and, I, and you know, you never know what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> One day there might be another showgirl cabaret that opens somewhere in the world, but um, it's just, uh, it was a good choice, but for sure, for me, it lost the real showgirlism that I know and, Yes, and now also Miss Bluebell, I really respect what she had created. And obviously mm. with Pierre Rambert too, uh, he was an, a legend to me as well. So <laughs> when, I, when I go to Paris in less than three weeks, I'm going to see the Lido. We're going to, I want to see um, Paradis Latin. I want to see a lot of the shows because I'm just so happy yeah. they're still there because they're basically all sure. gone here. But one of the things I want to do, I, and I don't know if anyone, I mean, if it's a contact, like I want to see where Miss Bluebell's marker is. Or, I don't know if she's actually buried there, but there is her marker over in. Oh, yes. Omar, that I want to see that because I feel a very different attachment to her the last two years from doing the podcast of hearing more stories about her character, how this all came to be about Don Arden. All, I don't know if you know the stories. He was pretty awful to work with, but a genius. And yeah. hearing even his softer side and hearing about Miss Bluebell's sense of humor, like I one of the very, the things I need to go to Paris, I just feel like I just want to see that, take a picture. I don't know why, but I resonate with her with so much gratitude yes. because of her. We got to do what we did and how she yes. did it, the class that she, she brought and what she expected her girls to do. 
So again, as a young person, that makes me so happy because like Jeremy's another one of those that just looks, he has this appreciation of her. And I feel like the yeah, younger people loves- knew, he knows that history. And so I do, and I love that he does Rebarte, which is taking it to a really different contemporary place. Yes. But to be able to hold both, like this also where it came from and why this matters. And we can move it forward, but maybe a more gradual slope <laughs> and maybe yeah, people are just sure. ready for it. It is interesting because no matter what you do, you know, it's going to be hard for some people, but I love that you listen to your heart because you could stay because yeah. it's a good paycheck and it's a good job, but when yeah, it doesn't, could, when I, it doesn't yeah. feel right. Yeah. But if it doesn't yeah. feel right to your soul or your heart as a dancer, like you started out your interview, like that was your therapy. That's what mo- moved yeah. you and helped you. And so when it's not there anymore, Maybe it's okay to put that aside and find another, another so, passion. Yeah, another passion. How did gyrotonics, were you already doing that before you left Lido or was that something that came after? I do you know what? I only discovered gyrotonic two years ago. And um I when I left Lido, I had injured my lower back. I dislodged a disc in my lower spine. And I had many back issues in general. I guess we're all tall. So tall ladies, we have them. And I discovered gyrotonic two years ago. And honestly, I did maybe three classes. And I just said to myself, I need this in my life. I really feel like it's just physiotherapy for my body. All the injuries and strains I've ever had as a dancer, it just has completely, it's just like rehab for me. And I love it because I feel almost... Sounds funny to say that, but it's completely different to Pilates, yoga, and fitness. It's like you're dancing with the machine. The machine is helping you. So you feel like this sense of dance and you feel just, it's so, it's so classy, the machine as well. It feels like a luxury to work with because not many people know what gyrotonics is. Yeah. So this is how it started. I was telling you before we recorded that I saw that on your bio. I'm like, she does that because... I did it a few years ago. Well, quite a while ago, a friend of mine got certified, but she lived too far away for me to go over there. And now I have a dancer okay. friend who is getting certified and she needs, you know, some students to work with. And so I get to do it for free. And I'm like, I have to get another job to be able to pay for this when I have to pay for it, because this needs to be in my life. And so, I was telling you too, like, I, like, I like Pilates, but I feel like I'm doing Pilates. I'm working hard. It's a very different mentality. Yeah. When I, and I, when I got into gyrotonics, like even the pat, the circular, like our, I'm a massage therapist. And when you learn anatomy, like uh-huh. nothing in our body is linear. It's all spirals. It's all overlap. It's all that circumduction that most exercises. And I don't even want to call it gyrotonic exercise, but I get so distracted because I'll get in there and I'm watching someone else. Like you said, dance with the machine. It's Not so pretty. It's so beautiful so to watch. So I'm like, I want to, so it's not like, well, I'm going to do these exercises. Like I want to do that. And everything she teaches me, I feel like my body is saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Instead of like, why are you making us do this? It feels so good. And I've had two hip replacements. So on the joints, I, my hip pain is going away my back, which has never cracked in certain places. Cause it's been so stuck. I am like, yeah. things are moving and cracking and I'm 62 and I, feel like, you know, sometimes you wish you'd started things earlier in your life. I'm like, you know what, even starting it now, I can slow down this whole thing of my bot, my joints hurting. Like I don't hurt, but it feels so good. And I get off there and I can hardly wait for the next, like I go to what's today, Monday, I go tomorrow. I'm all, I wake up. I'm like, I get, and so I love as a dancer, 
that you're still dancing. Okay. You just said that. Now I understand why that felt so I'm dancing with the machine and it's not pushing and pulling you. It's working. Oh my gosh. I love that. Your body. And you can also, sometimes I go to work early and I just create even things on the machine. I might just put some music on and like create some movement with the machine, with my arms in the straps. I just, I just love it. And I've actually ordered the machine for myself now. You're going to have one. Um, which I, I'm going to have the machine at home um, and then obviously probably teach from home in the future. But um, I just love it so much. I just think it can do wonders for the body. And I wish that everyone knew about it because it really does wonders for your posture. And as you say, if you've had hip replacements, uh, any injury you have, it's honestly like physiotherapy. But it's with breath as well, also for the ment- for the mind. Yeah. If feeling a bit, you know, stressed, I suffer with stress and anxiety. So for me, it's the perfect balance between my fitness workouts and then I do gyrotonic to kind of ease the mind and just feel the flow. <laughs> but I love wow. it. Do you have to explain to everybody what it is or how, how much is it known where you are? Because when I mention people like, wait, what is that? And then I'm like, because I talk about it all the time. Honestly, I'm always talking about it. So I'm yeah. like, go to see my friend because I've, I know dancers know maybe more than some people know, but how are you, who are, how are the clientele finding you or you are, is it getting um, better known? It's not very well known here in Monaco. Um, they always um, at the gym where I work, they kind of explain it as Pilates, in a way, which I really don't like that description because for me, it's not at all Pilates. Mm -hmm. And so with the clients, if you teach here in Monaco, pure gyrotonic, then the clients won't get so attached to it because here it's a place of aesthetics. (laughs) Monte Carlo is very kind of on the aesthetic side, very about having the perfect body, all these things. So they I feel like the clients here, they want to really just move and kind of feel the work. They're less interested in the kind of the flowy movements and feeling good. I have some of the older generation who come because they have general back issues or shoulder problems and they use it for like therapy for their body. But then I have the other side where I sometimes have to adjust and I sometimes do Pilates exercises with the machine to make them feel more the burn. But of course, it's uh, you just have to adapt for each person. But it's true that in Monaco, it's a place where many women, they just want to look amazing. Yeah. And really feel the work. Um, oh, how did yeah, you end up in Monaco? Did you, did you go there right after Paris? Like, how did you make that jump? Um, actually, it's a funny uh, question because I it was actually because of my ex-boyfriend. You <laughs> um, he, he, always because of the boys, isn't it? Right. <laughs> because of him, he was from uh, the south of France and we both decided to move here. I love the south of France. I've always fallen in love with the Côte d'Azur. I don't know why. There's just something here that I absolutely adore. I think it's just a beautiful destination and... Yeah, it's just wonderful to live here with the weather and everything. Um, And yeah, it was because of him that I moved here, really. Um, And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. When I left Lido, I was a bit like, oh, what do I do? Very stressful. But in the end, in the end, I just found my path. Just everything always comes to plan in the end. (laughs) And that's so good to 
acknowledge because I know a lot of people left because they had something else to go to, but yes, your story no, is so not- unique. Like you left because it was not settling right in your yeah. being and you left and then, then I'll figure it out later as, as opposed to like, and not till I have something lined up and then people stay too long in things that aren't really healthy for them because they have, they have, uh, don't have a plan. So to move to a different you know, part of the country and, and risk, but what do you, what am I going to find? Did you ever grieve the end of that or dancing or was it just time? Cause as a, a lot of us talk about like either an injury took us out, like we, was anyone totally ready to be done? Probably not. Unless burnout um, was the thing that did it. I did grieve a lot when I left. And even now, some days I feel a bit, I feel sad. I feel like I'm kind of wasting what I can offer. Like I'm wasting a talent that I can still do. I mean, I'm 30 years old. I still can dance. Yeah. Um I managed to do a few galas here and there where I can perform but it's true that when I go on stage, this whole passion and this whole performance passion comes back. But then I think to myself that now I am here and I have my future projects, my future goals. I don't see myself working again in Lido was a very secure contract, but in reality, a dancer's life is not secure. It's not stable. You have no stability. And now I fear that if I did leave everything here to do dancing, I just wouldn't enjoy it because there's always like a contract, maybe six months and then you have to audition, then you have to go to another one. And I'm, I'm over that. So unless it was Lido, I don't think I could ever go back because yeah, Lido for me was a good way to end, but it's true that I do have days where I feel sad. I feel like, Oh, I can give still. I want to still perform. Um, but in a way, we all need to make a living. And I think through dancing, maybe it's not going to get me where I want to get in life. So yeah. <laughs> to make the choice. But yeah. it's true that I'm, I mean, with teaching, as I said earlier, it's, uh, I kind of feel like I'm doing a show every day through my teaching and I still get to be creative. You know, if I teach dance with someone, I still can create choreographies and and you know release that creativity side of me but yeah it's true (laughs) then you get to do it when it works in your schedule because you want to do it it could be shorter I love how you even said like you you want to give you have a lot to give because there's something being on the stage that we kind of like we're receiving all that but I love that your mentality is it's both I am giving and receiving because when performers are all, it's all about me, or I just have to give, give, give. And I don't get to actually experience, like, it sounds really wonderful of how you are experiencing both when you're on stage, the giving and receiving and then, and then teaching gyro. Like, I think when I stopped dancing, I taught and I loved, I always loved teaching, but when you actually like, Oh, I really am a teacher as opposed to like, I'm an ex dancer or, or yeah, an ex performer. It's, it's like, when you actually like, Oh, this is that giving and receiving when you see them, like do what you created for them. Yes. And then I got my, my, um, license in massage because at my, the age I was at, like, I can't sustain a career as a professional dancer. So a lot of us, even if that interim is like, I can always get more massages. I can make my own schedule. I can teach my, my schedule for gyro the way I want the freedom. I think that we had as a dancer, it's really hard to go. It'd be hard to go corporate, which some people do nine to five when they switch right into it. But I think that there is something of 
I have a little bit of freedom if I still want to do that, I can and I can choose instead of I'm just done. Yeah, for sure. This has been so good. I just love that I don't know anything about you except for Lido and then to find out what an amazing, inspiring human you are. Um, to end this, uh, I'm just curious because you have that connection with Miss Bluebell and I might have to make that the title because like you, was it the image of Miss Bluebell that people said you were? There was something yes, the way you described it. The image with the blue eyes and the blonde hair. I don't know. They just said, I remember in my audition they said you are a spitting image of miss bluebell i think it was pierre rambert who told me this oh, he, I, remind, I, can... I reminded him of miss bluebell somehow yeah and i don't think it's just your hair and your eyes i think feature wise and also yeah. there's a classiness so when you hear that what is it that that speaks to you not just that you have blonde hair and blue eyes because you could change your hair black and you probably still have that essence like the essence of miss bluebell what do you think that is just a very sophisticated lady, <laughs> but also who has the charm and also can make people laugh and smile, but someone who gives a lot. Oh, I think that they nailed it when you, when they said that you have that. Yeah. That you just definitely love. have that charisma and charm. And it's not just, yeah. Good and energy. I just, I, I think a lot of the older bluebells will love to hear this, to hear your respect for her and, how you followed your heart in that area. Cause it's really, be I see Miss Bluebell. There's something of a twinkle in your eye. We'll post some <laughs> pictures, but yeah, I hope you take that compliment to heart because somebody had told me when they heard one of the interviews, like but, but they said, I think Miss Bluebell will be proud of you. I started crying. That oh, wouldn't have sure, mattered yeah. to me a while ago. Cause yeah. she said, you're keeping our community. Cause Miss Bluebell is about family and yeah. you are each other's family and community. And, and I, when she said that it, it hit me in a way that was really deep. And I just yeah, think for, for you sure. to get that compliment was more than just your look. So take that to yeah, heart. No. <laughs> I take it really hard <laughs> to my heart. Uh, Emma, thank you so much. Do you have people follow you on Instagram or is that not a big thing? Or does it help um, them to know about Gyrotonic? They can find you on Instagram or Facebook or follow yeah, you. Sure. Um, I'm not really, I have people who follow me, but I just want people to follow me if they like what I do. But yeah. Uh, yeah, if they want and to follow me, they can. <laughs> well, maybe even just to know more about Gyrotonic, because I think yeah. when I mention it to people, especially dancers my age, like, wait, what is that? And they want to know more because I think like we've done exercise our whole life. Like, what does it feel like to use that part of you, your younger part as a dancer that just would love to move like that again? Yeah, I think everyone really should do Gyrotonic because honestly, it's saved all my injuries. And I'm not just saying that because I am an instructor. <laughs> it honestly really has saved my injuries. And just for us dancers, it honestly is like dancing with the machine. It honestly just feels so beautiful. And you just, you know, it's the, even the machine, it's just so beautiful to look at. So oh, yeah. go ahead, find a baritonic <laughs> studio. <laughs> and if there you come to go. Monaco, I'm here. <laughs> oh, I was supposed to be working on a cruise ship um, I taught, um, yoga stretch and a conditioning class and I got a free cruise oh, wow. and I did New York to Bermuda. So then she said, do you want to go, if you do the Caribbean, they'll pay your way. And it was my, um, debarkation was going to be in Monaco. And I was looking, oh, wow. I got, then the, the whole thing fell through. The ship is now done. Like I went on one of their last cruises okay. and they, because of COVID and their debt, but that was, I was so yeah. excited to, it was going to be Italy and parts of France and Croatia. Yeah, cool. And I was like, 
oh, and I, but in Monaco and Monte Carlo, that was my thing I was the most excited to see. So I have to get over there. Oh, so if sure. I do a cruise, you I'll have take to you come and coffee. See. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for sure. Or that's my goal. <laughs> let's, let's do champagne. I don't even drink coffee. Let's do so. champagne. <laughs> <laughs> you can oh. eat Toto. <laughs> I he just sat there so quiet the whole time. So my dog's asleep right next to me. So I always love when people, oh my gosh, maybe we'll post a picture of you with with uh, Toto. Yes, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> I think they get tired of hearing us talking. It's interesting for a few minutes yeah. and then they just take a nap. <laughs> exactly. Then I, oh, she's talking again. <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> uh, thank you, Emma. Best to you and. Um, I'm excited to post this for people to hear this perspective. And I love how honest, because it really is where probably oh, a lot of people so have like, when, yeah, it's like, how, how do we reconcile those two things in us? And it's okay to have both. For sure. Just thank, thank you so much for having me. And it's been a pleasure <laughs> to meet thank you. Thank you. Hopefully I'll see you in person soon. Yes, of course. Be honest here. <laughs> <laughs>